Masech's Brachas Parag Beis Mishnah Ches until Parag Gimel Mishnah Gimel. A couple of Mishnahs ago, the Mishnah told us that a chosan, a groom who marries a woman who has never been married before, and as a result, for the first few days of his marriage, he's anxious to make sure that she indeed has never been married before, and has never had relations before. So because he's distracted as a result of a mitzvah, he is exempt from saying Kriyashma. And then we brought a story of Roman Gamliel, who even though he was exempt from saying Kriyashma on the night of his wedding, he still went ahead and said Kriyashma. And then the Mishnah went a bit sidetracked and brought another couple of stories of Roman Gamliel, where he did something against the norm, and we explained why. Now the Mishnah returns to the original statement of the Mishnah about a chosan, a groom, and the Mishnah tells us, according to the Tanakama, chosan, a groom who is exempt from saying Kriyashma, in Rotsalikris Kriyashma, if he wants to say Kriyashma, like Roman Gamliel, Lail Horishin on the first night, Kore, he can say Kriyashma, go ahead and do it. However, very interestingly, Rabban Shimon Gamliel Omer, Rabban Shimon actually the son of Rabban Gamliel says, Not anybody who wants to take the name of being someone who's very particular in mitzvahs, he wants to gain a, gain a name of somebody who does mitzvahs even when he doesn't need to do them, not, who, not anyone who wants to do that can do it. Meaning, it looks like arrogance. It looks like you're saying, hey, look at me, I'm going to say Kriyashma even when I don't need to, I'm going to be extra strict on myself, as if I just can't bear not to do the mitzvah, but since most of us are not on that level, it is better that we do not say Kriyashma on the night of our wedding, until the Matzah Shabbos afterwards. Now, it's actually very interesting, because Toysus right that nowadays it's the exact opposite. Even on a normal night, we don't have proper Kavana when we're saying Shema, and therefore if we didn't say Kriyashma on the night of our wedding, we're showing that on a normal night we do have Kavana, and that's arrogance. So nowadays, one is obligated and he should say Kriyashma on the night of his wedding, and if he doesn't, then that is arrogance. Perek Gimel, so just like we saw in the previous Perek, that when one is involved in a mitzvah, or even if he's just distracted because of a mitzvah, he is exempt from saying Kriyashma. The next two Mishnahs will give another example or two, where one is distracted and he's involved in a mitzvah, and therefore he is exempt from saying Kriyashma. Misha Misa Mutalofanov, somebody who has a dead relative who is literally placed in front of him, it means one of his relatives dies and he needs to bury him. And the relative has not yet been buried. The halacha is Potter Mikriyashma, he is exempt from saying Kriyashma, because he needs to busy himself with sorting out the mitzvah of burying his dead relative. Umenat filler, he's also exempt from davening Shmona Esrei. Most of the time that the Mishnah refers to Tefillah, it's talking about Shmona Esrei specifically. So he's exempt from both Kriyashma and Shmona Esrei, Umenat Tefillin. He's exempt from Tefillin as well. The truth is, he's exempt from all other mitzvahs. Because of the rule of Ha'isek Mitzvah, Potter in Mitzvah. One who is involved in one mitzvah is exempt from doing other mitzvahs. But the reason why the Mishnah specifies these three mitzvahs is because these three have something in common, and that is that they are all to do with Kabolas O Malchus Shomayim. Accepting upon oneself Hashem's power and accepting to do the mitzvahs. So I might have thought that these things are so fundamental and important that even somebody who's involved in burial, involved in a mitzvah, they would have to do these three. So that's why the Mishnah specifies these three to say that even these three, Kriyashma, which is about declaring Hashem's power, declaring, Hashem, declaring Hashem's oneness, and Tefillah, davening, realizing that you're standing in front of the power of the whole world and to fill in which contains the parishes of Shema inside. So these two things are so important, so I might have thought that I would have to say them even when I'm doing another mitzvah. So the mission tells us no, Ho'isik the mitzvah, Potter in a mitzvah, even applies to these three mitzvahs. Another mitzvah involved in burial, and this applies not just to the relatives of the dead person, but to everybody else as well, and that is to accompany the dead body during the funeral to its grave. And a greater form of this mitzvah is to actually be part of the burial by carrying the coffin. 
because this was a greater form of the mitzvah, it was a custom that they would take in turns in carrying the coffin. So one group of people would carry it, then they would get tired, and they'd switch to other people. So this way, more people could be part of the mitzvah, and also the people wouldn't get too tired by doing it. So the mission tells us, The people who are carrying the coffin, and the people who will switch with them, meaning the next people in line to carry the coffin. And they would usually um, walk right in front of the coffin. And also those who will switch with the people who are switching now, meaning those who are second in line to carry the coffin. Whether they're now walking in front of the coffin, meaning they haven't yet carried the coffin, or whether they're standing behind the coffin, meaning they've carried the coffin already, but they want to do it again. Whoever it is, if they are going to carry the coffin before it is buried, so they're going to be involved in the mitzvah, so they chayed to say kriyashma, the answer is, eshla Anybody who is needed to carry the coffin, i.e. all these people who you just mentioned, paturin, they're exempt from saying kriyashma, because they are involved in this mitzvah. But those who are not needed to carry the coffin, meaning that they're not in line to be part of carrying the coffin, they're just accompanying the coffin. So even though they are actually doing a mitzvah, because it's a mitzvah just to accompany the dead body, Chayovin, they're nevertheless exempt, and we don't apply the, the rule of Ha'isik mitzvah Potter Min mitzvah that if one is involved in a mitzvah, he's exempt from doing other mitzvahs. And the reason for that is because over here, you could easily do both. If all you're doing is walking with the dead body, you can stand still for a few couple of seconds, say the first posuk of Shema, and then continue walking and say the rest of Shema. Because it's only the first posuk of Shema which cannot be said while walking, and therefore you have to stand still. But that only takes a couple of seconds, and therefore you can just say that while standing, carry on walking with the coffin, and finish off the first paragraph, or possibly the second and third as well. Ends off the Mishnah, Elu vo Elu. Both those people who are carrying the coffin, and the people who are just accompanying the coffin, they are exempt from saying Shemona Esrei, because firstly it's not Midor Araisa. Kriya the Torah says you have to say Kriya every day. But Shemona Esrei is only Midrabanon. And secondly, because davening Shemona Esrei requires more Kavana than just saying Shema. So it would be harder to have the necessary kavana whilst accompanying the dead body, and therefore anyone who's even just involved in accompanying the dead body is exempt from davening shemona esrei. I should just mention, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the Mishnah, but the technical term for somebody whose relative has died and he hasn't yet buried him is an oinein. And like we mentioned, an oinein is exempt from performing mitzvahs because he has another mitzvah to be involved in, namely to bury his dead relative. We move on to Mishnah Base. Now, once they've buried the dead body, it was customary to do what is known as Nichum Avelim, where the mourners would walk a few steps away from the grave, and then everybody else who was there would file past the mourners in rows of a few people at a time, and they would say words of comfort. And this is also a mitzvah with Araisa. You're fulfilling a mitzvah from the Torah when you comfort other mourners. And therefore, we're going to apply the rule of Ha'isik B'mitzvah, Potter Mena Mitzvah. So whilst you're doing that, you're certainly going to be exempt from saying Kriyat Shema. The question is, what about this intermediary time between burying the dead body and going over to the mourners to comfort them? Says the Mishnah, If the people there are able to begin the first posik of Shema, or some understand it to mean the first paragraph of Shema, and to finish it, so if you can say the entire first posik before you get before you reach that row, meaning before you reach the mourners to comfort them, then you should begin and you should say the first paragraph of Shema, or the first posik of Shema. That's the main part of your obligation of Shema, and therefore make sure to say that, if you can, before you get to the other mitzvah. And then, once you've comforted the mourners, if there's still time to say Shema, and it's not too late, then say the rest of Shema. Vim lav, but if there is not enough time to say the first pasuk of Shema, 
or the first paragraph of Shema. Before you reach the mornings, you shouldn't even begin saying it, because here we look as if it's one long mitzvah. The comforting the mornings is just a continuation of the burial, because they're so close to each other, and one follows the other immediately, and therefore you're exempt from Kriya Shema straight away. Now the Yerushalmi explains that the way that they comforted the mourners after the burial changed over time. The way we just described it was that the mourners would make a few steps away from the grave, and then the people would walk past them and comfort them. However, there was a certain period of time where the Chachon said that actually the people should go and stand there in rows, one behind the other, and the mourners should be the ones who walk past them, and that is how they would comfort the mourners. So in this situation, whilst the mourners are actually walking past them, Hapanimim, the people in the inner rows, and this refers to anybody who the mourners can see their face. If the mourners can see their face, they're considered close enough that they'll actually be contributing significantly to the comforting of the mourners, and therefore Peturim, they are exempt from saying Kriyashma because they're involved in this mitzvah of comforting the mourners. However, the Hachitzonim, those who are on the more outer rows, they're further away and the mourners can't even see them properly, Chayovin, they are obligated to say Kriyashma because they're not considered involved in the mitzvah enough to exempt them from the other mitzvah of saying Kriyashma. A nice way to remember this is that Hapunimim Puturin, the inner ones are Potter, Vachitzainim Chayovin. Pei Pei and Ches Ches, that's just a nice way to remember it. Mishnah Gimel. The Mishnah now goes to another group of people who are also exempt from Kriyashma. Not because they're doing a mitzvah, but for another reason. Noshim, women, Vavodim, and non Jewish slaves, or Katanim, and children under the age of Barabbas mitzvah, Puturim Kriyashma, are exempt from saying Kriyashma. And the reasons for all these three are slightly different. The reason why a woman is exempt is because this is what is known as a mitzvah aseisha as mangaroma, a positive mitzvah which is bound to a specific time, meaning there's a specific time where you have to do this mitzvah, as we learned in the first parak. And women are exempt from those types of mitzvahs. Now, when it comes to the non-Jewish slave, when one has a non-Jewish slave, or I should say, when one had a non-Jewish slave, he would actually give him bris milah, and the non-Jewish slave would go to the mikveh, and only then is he considered a proper slave to the Jew. And halacha is that a non-Jewish slave who is owned by a Jew is obligated to keep all mitzvahs which a woman is obligated to keep. And therefore, just like a woman is exempt from saying Kriyashma, so too a slave would be exempt. And thirdly, children, since the whole reason why children keep mitzvahs is just for the sake of educating them, so that they're used to doing them by the time they reach Barabbas Mitzvah, this actually means that all the mitzvahs which a child does, he's only obligated to do them mid So the Rabbonon did not include in this mitzvah of educating one's child, the mitzvah of Kriyashma, the reason being that it's very impractical. For the father to be with the son every time he needs to say Kriyashma is very difficult, and it's unlikely that they're going to be together at that time, and therefore the Rabbonon did not include this in the mitzvah of educating one's child. Furthermore, they're also these three people are also exempt from Uminat Tefillin, from putting on Tefillin. The reason for women and slaves is the same, that it's a time-bound mitzvah. Tefillin are only worn during the day, they're not worn on Shabbos, so once again, it's considered a mitzvah asesha has mangarama, a positive time-bound mitzvah. And the reason why children are exempt, even on, on a midrabonon level, is because when wearing tefillin, one has to make sure his body is kept clean, and children are not able to do that. However, says the Mishnah, these three people, these three groups of people, the chayom bat filler, they're obligated to daven shmona esrei. And we're going to understand the reason for this, like the Rambam, who holds that it's a mitzvah mid to daven every day. Now, what exactly to daven and when to daven, that the Torah does not prescribe. But it is still a mitzvah midoraisa to daven every day. Which means that midoraisa is not a time-bound mitzvah. It applies all the time. One can do it at any time. The Chachomim came and said, 
though the way to do this mitzvah is to do it three times a day at these specific times, but it still remains a midaraisa mitzvah, which is not time-bound on a Torah level. And therefore, even women and slaves are obligated, and children as well, just like any other mitzvah, except for the exceptions which we mentioned above. Now, the Gemara explains the reason for this is simple, that everyone needs Hashem's help and mercy, and therefore everyone needs to daven. So that also explains why everyone is obligated to daven Shemun Esrei. Furthermore, they are all obligated with a mezuzah. In the midst of a mezuzah, if they have a house, if they have doors, they have to affix a mezuzah on the doorpost. Obviously, because it's not a mitzvah sensation and grammar, because you always have to have a mezuzah on your house. The question is, why did the Mishnah have to specify this mitzvah? Surely it's the same as any other non-time-bound mitzvah. So the Gemara explains that the commandment of mezuzah in the Torah comes right after the commandment to learn Torah, and to teach Torah. So I might have thought that just like women are exempt from learning Torah, so too they should be exempt from keeping the mitzvah of mezuzah. So that's why the Mishnah has to tell you that no, you shouldn't learn the Pesukim like that, and really they are obligated to affix a mezuzah to their doorposts. And finally, with Avigsa Mazain, they're also obligated in benching. The Gemara has a discussion whether this is Midr Araisa or only Midr Abanan. It's possible that since the Torah talks about the mitzvah of benching with connection to the land of Eretz Yisrael, well, only the men received a portion in the land. And therefore, perhaps women are not obligated to bench Midr Araisa. But either way, at least on a Midr Abanan level, even women and non-Jewish slaves and children are obligated to bench after eating. Now, everything which a child is obligated to do, that is all Mijabanon. So let's just summarize. Women, non-Jewish slaves, and children are exempt from the mitzvah of Kriyashma and Tefillin, but they're obligated to daven, to have a mezuzah on their doorposts, and to bench after eating.